Welcome back, everyone. Today we are discussing album number 76, which is Superfly by Curtis Mayfield. And to be clear, if you're not familiar, this is a soundtrack for the film of the same name. Mm -hmm. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe this is our second soundtrack we've done. It feels like maybe there was another one in there, but I think you're right. I think it is just this one. Uh, just the, just these two. Yeah. We did uh, Purple, Rain Purple Rain and uh, and now Superfly. I don't, we've done some compilations, but not soundtracks. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah, that soundtracks are even on this list. Yeah, well, and sometimes I, 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 mean, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I like think we're about is, to say the same thing. Well, they like, are unique. They're unique uh, collections of. Of songs, right? As opposed to a compilation, which is just a grouping by a producer, where this is right. this was written, you know, original music written to accompany a story. Right, right, yeah. And I mean, in this case, this is not just a compilation assembled no. of previously recorded music. In the same way that Purple Rain was created for Purple Rain, right. this is music created for this particular movie project and uh i think we'll have another really big one coming up here uh it's not coming up super quickly i don't think but um eventually we'll get at number 60 163 we'll get to saturday night fever another Ooh. one that like was created for the film they right. they did draw in some other music from other parts of their career but you know these are this is not just a compilation album no soundtrack like you know, I, I really like the soundtrack to uh, Garden State, for instance. That was just a guy in his studio who was picking and choosing songs yeah. from his favorite artists. Nothing to do with like music created for the film. Um, this was specifically Curtis Mayfield being tasked with creating a soundtrack for right. this film. And uh, yeah, that's a little different. Well, before we continue, we should get into some details. Sound good? Actually, you know, before we get to details, yeah, okay. I gotta say, uh, I'm I'm approaching this one with some apprehension. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is that similar <laughs> to when we've talked about gangster rap, I am feeling like we are not really able to accurately tackle this one because neither of us grew up or spent significant time in the black American urban experience. Okay. And this, much like Gangster Rap, this album and movie has been criticized by both black and white people for glorifying elements of street culture that are not always seen as good things. Right. And I think anytime two white dudes with some privilege start talking about... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> something like that there's a danger there so i, I guess I, w I just want to put okay. that disclaimer out that like right up front i i am aware there's a high chance we will put our foot in our mouth at some point during this episode oh, <laughs> i mean we yeah. always do but but this just feels like a danger zone possibility is like higher here because of what 
we're talking about specifically. Um, right. Now, maybe there's a way to just step back from it and analyze it from a purely melodic, how, how does this music make me feel kind of situation. But I don't think... <laughs> I don't think we'll be able to do that. And so I just want to no. apologize up front. <laughs> we did make an effort to get a person on who I think would have been an excellent guest. Uh, didn't line up, um, unfortunately. Uh, we tried hard <laughs> to have a black voice join us. Uh, yeah. Um, but so we'll, we'll do our best. Uh, um, and we'll see, we'll see where that takes us. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm in some ways I'm getting comfortable with just accepting the fact that I'm not going to get all these right, and yes. that I don't, I don't have any, a personal connection to a lot of these albums, and, I, and yep. I think it makes me less nervous than it used to because, I mean, we've been very upfront with that, and I think our yes. certainly our any of our return listeners will know the perspective we come from, and that we, yes. we will not be able to to share and empathize with all of these themes and ideas, but but we've been we've never claimed that we would, so I think right, we're certainly not presenting this review as like the be all end all and in fact we encourage you to go and listen and check it out as well and tell and us where we're wrong and <laughs> help us correct it yeah just as bad as all that i feel equally as guilty that in the last few weeks i i didn't find a copy or a way to well, i didn't really try that hard to to try and stream this movie Oh yeah, <laughs> really should have watched the movie. So I mean, yeah. there's probably a few people oh, that, who are, that who are sticks gonna... with our, our track record of not yeah. watching Purple Rain oh, as well. <laughs> there's gonna be a few people who, who are gonna be a few people who just turn it off right now. So <laughs> so we're gonna attempt to <laughs> tackle this as best we can. Yeah, <laughs> not relating to the culture and not seeing the movie. Yeah, good good night, everyone. <laughs> yeah, now I think definitely appropriate okay, to get details to some details. <laughs> Details, 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 details. Okay, so <laughs> the soundtrack uh, for Superfly came up July 11, 1972. All songs written and composed by Curtis Mayfield. Um, spent four consecutive weeks at number one on the Billboard charts in the U.S. Pretty, pretty awesome for a soundtrack. Yeah. The soundtrack in 1972. Yeah. Um, even with that certified only gold, so half a million. So kind of almost like it kind of disappeared after that. Hmm. I wouldn't say that for sure, but, but certainly we're going to find out that it had a lot of effect. It's interesting. It came out uh, a month before the film. Right. I, I think that's common even to today. A lot of times, you know, especially in the to 90s. To build some hype. Yeah. yeah. Soundtracks would come out before the movie would come out. Especially when it, there's someone featured, right? Like I remember right. in the 90s, U2 did a, a Mission Impossible soundtrack or helped help right. out with yeah. it. And that helps uh, get the fans on board before the film even comes out. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to read this quick excerpt here. Superfly, along with Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, released in 1971 the previous year, was one of the pioneering soul concept albums. With its then unique socially aware lyrics about poverty and drug abuse making the album stand out. The film and the soundtrack may be perceived as dissonant since the film holds rather ambiguous views on drug dealers, whereas Curtis Mayfield's position is far more critical. Like what's going on, the album was a surprise hit that record executives felt had little chance at significant sales. Due to its success, Mayfield was tapped for several film soundtracks over the course of the decade. Hmm. So, 
I think that does put it in context to something that we have uh, listened to before and discussed before, and and the one that you yeah. really latched onto, which is what's going yeah. on, yeah. which really I think sets the stage and was a great influence for for soul and really uh, socially conscious soul music in the early 70s making big waves in, in culture um, and this was a part of that too and very interesting although we're not really at the opinions part yet but interesting that the soundtrack uh, contrasts the movie a bit yeah yeah <laughs> because and I think it's important to discuss now so the, the theme of the movie so the movie uh, first of all the movie is um the early part of a genre called black exploitation, and I'm not going to talk too much about it, uh, but it explored themes in uh, urban African American culture. Yep, and some somewhat controversially, this movie the the main plot very simply is it follows a, a drug dealer in Harlem named Priest, and he is very successful. Decides he wants to get out of the drug game and is going to go and. and do one final job that'll make him and his partner uh, filthy rich and then he'll get out. <laughs> and I think that the controversy is the way that they glorify it along the way. <laughs> um, the whole culture and persona. So I think I'm going to leave it at that in terms of <laughs> in terms of kind of the plot. Um, but that's the general idea. And the soundtrack follows the plotline, but also specific characters um, through different songs. Actually, it's only, what is it, only about eight tracks? Is that right? Uh, nine. Nine, including an instrumental. And, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. A couple of instrumentals, yeah. So I didn't get a chance to watch the film, but I did watch a 25-minute uh, documentary on YouTube. Oh, you got one uh, up on me then. One, one Last Deal. And it was... Right. Um, reunited some of the cast and and also people who found it to be meaningful and significant for them and pretty much across the board they talked about seeing their community and culture represented on the big screen for the first time Um, so for better or worse the uh, highlighting of this character felt real to them Uh and felt like uh, something recognizable like this is us on the big screen um, and was pretty, I think, generally accepted as a really well done film, even though it was done, sounds like, on a shoestring. Like, uh, they had to raise money several times during the filming <laughs> to, uh, to get it wow. completed. And uh, Curtis Mayfield, you know, was pretty prominent. This is, I think, his third studio album. Okay. Um, he was their first choice, but someone that they thought would never, ever say yes to doing the soundtrack. And, I think there's a, a number of folks who sort of feel like uh, he made the movie. You know, it wouldn't have been what it was. It wouldn't have resonated so much if he hadn't done such a good job of capturing some element of the culture at that time. And uh, so not only were they able to see their community on the screen, but there was this soundtrack that like that really fit and made everything click. Um, I think that was really fascinating for me just to get that. It, it made me want to see the movie. I think it's only on a few streaming platforms currently, and unfortunately none that I am currently subscribed to. Um, but maybe someday I'll get around to it. And maybe we should do like a movie night where we do Purple Rain and Superfly <laughs> and uh, 
uh, Saturday Night Fever all in the same yeah. <laughs> watching. We haven't mentioned our friend Colin Larkin for a while. Um, Colin uh, Larkin? Yeah, isn't he the guy, like, 1,000 uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. albums or whatever? Right. Uh, I have, I have the book. That's right. He gave it a five-star review, and uh, I think it's also... It's ranked. It's ranked in his list of the all-time top 1,000 albums. So, nice. Um, that's one. <laughs> I feel like somehow that showed up on a lot of our early episodes, and we haven't mentioned it for <laughs> a long poor, time. Poor Colin Larkin. Well, it did did come out in like 2003, so it's yeah, a little, a little, little dated now. Yeah. One thing, maybe before we move to the album artwork, I right. It this album shows up on our spreadsheet as Superfly, all one word. The Wikipedia page has it as Superfly, um, but the YouTube documentary that I watched, Superfly had been smushed together into all one word. And I'm wondering if that means <laughs> there's some inconsistencies of, uh, you know, how, it, how it's presented, if it's two words or one. <laughs> um, very the, interesting. The 2018 remake is all one word on okay. Wikipedia. It's not two. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. It's a funny, uh, like, uh, it doesn't seem like there's consistency out there, at least in the internet uh, internet lands. Uh, the soundtrack pretty pretty clearly, specifically, seems to be two words. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that way in our... Uh, wherever we pulled our, our initial ranking of the Rolling Stone list from, they had it the other, the other way. So <laughs> they had it all one all together, right? Well, I guess I guess it's a it's a descriptor, right? Super super fly, super fly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, you can smush together easily. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can. Um, maybe I th- wanted to be one word because I grew up in the '80s and '90s watching wrestling. And there's a wrestler named Superfly Jimmy Snuka. I don't know if you remember oh, that. Superfly is his first name. Or well, it's nick- his nickname. nickname. It's his nickname, but it was always said as one and was once. He was Superfly. He was known as a, as a high flyer. He was a, like a, a Polynesian background. Oh, okay. So he had like a, always had a bit of a Polynesian style. Um, that's the first thing I think of when I think of Superfly. <laughs> How awful is that? <laughs> sorry, yeah, that's sorry, everyone, but I guess that's just a, our culture growing up. Um, so the co- the cover art, uh, fairly typical of a soundtrack, like with a lot of details, like a lot of text on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think very different than. I mean, okay, Purple Rain is one. Th- well, you know what? Maybe this is. I, I'm thinking of more modern soundtracks but you think of purple rain i mean it was also starring prince the movie right so it makes sense that he's on the cover and then saturday night fever now i haven't seen that movie and i assume you have no not yet you haven't seen that movie so are the bgs in the movie i don't know because they're on the cover of that aren't they like they're aren't they standing behind john travolta or uh no they're not on the cover they're not on the cover Oh, yeah, they are. Yep, they're behind John Travolta. Yep, you're right. 
Right, there's a picture of them. A picture of them, yep. Like he's on the, the disco dance floor and there's like yep. a picture of them behind. So yep. uh, and then we've got we've got this one where his face is like really quite large. Uh-huh. <laughs> Almost uncomfortably large on like faded on on the right half. Um, but it really it has him like with his glasses, he's got kind of a pensive look as like the like the wise, intelligent uh, yep. song songwriter, musician, conductor. I, that's kind of how I see it. I like how the light goes through his glasses. Then on the right. other side, on the left side, is all the text. So you've got original soundtrack by Curtis Mayfield, Superfly in big, you know, bubble letters, very much yeah. early 70s. Very 70s. Yep. Then down the left, all the, you know, the director and the whole cast. And also there's the main character... And I guess one, one of the leading ladies kind of lying down behind him, mm-hmm. uh, very small. So to give connection to what we're going to see in that movie. So, but I yeah. mean, the main part. It's Curtis Mayfield. It's Curtis Mayfield's face, yeah. really, yep. is, is the main part of the of the cover. So it's very interesting. Um, instead of depicting, you know, a scene from the movie or drawing a piece of art, um, it's it's really about the artist here. And yes, I think that. Maybe that was that. Do you think that was some of the draw to the movie? Like they got him to, yeah, to help bring a draw in, or was he? You said this was his third studio album, so he, people knew who he was. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm guessing he was a pretty big draw, and like we talked about previously, if this album came out a month before the film, it's possible that uh, you know people were already. They already were aware of Freddy's Dead and Superfly, the two singles that came out. Oh, I guess uh, Superfly came out after the film's release, but right. you know, they were all there's already some some airplay for the 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 lead single um, to draw people in. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And it is, I mean, in fairness, it, it really is a Curtis Mayfield album. It's him. Uh, it's something he created, and so. It seems fair to feature him prominently. It is, he is enormous. <laughs> you know, 50% of the real estate about is his face. But uh, um, it, to me, it, it really does feel like a Curtis Mayfield album inspired by the movie. Uh, they sent him the screenplay, I believe, and told him to, to come up with something based on the screenplay. And uh, Right. So the film was a, a creation. It wasn't like he created the album, handed it to the, the guys writing film, and they they made the film. But um, but this is really, this is him uh, mm-hmm. trying to interpret what the film is about. Right. One last just little note here. Uh, the film was directed by Gordon Parks Jr. And his father, Gordon Parks, helped finance the film, and he directed the previous year Shaft oh, uh, and the soundtrack for that was done by Isaac Hayes huh. and when I first started listening to the Superfly soundtrack that is the first thing I thought of was the Shaft soundtrack oh yeah uh, very similar feel uh, attitude yeah and, and a lot of the instrumentation you know the, the like the congas like the, the percussion in the background uh, kind of ambient, you know, bending, crunchy guitars, uh, these bright harmonized horn parts in the 
creeping in on the background. Uh, just a really cool sound, and really, like, it sounds like we're in the early 70s here. Like, it just, yeah. you, you know exactly where you are. And I was more familiar with Shaft. I'm not sure why I'd heard Shaft. I saw the, I certainly saw the remake with Samuel L. Jackson when it came out, I guess, in the early, early 2000s. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that inspired me to kind of check out the music a bit. But I never got, funny, I never got into Superfly. <laughs> um, but there's there's no doubt there's lots of similarities and it's interesting. I didn't know that there was another connection between the two movies yeah. uh, in in the huh. in the directors being father and son. So yeah, just another another fun fact, another tidbit. Very interesting. Yep. So I think we've established Ben that the music was new for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, before we start, do you want to pick a, a favorite track to go on our playlist and then we'll, and then we'll move into some of our comments from there sure not really prepared for that uh oh what should I pick have you listened to it yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry you can edit that (laughs) the one that's usually stuck in my head is the opening track Little Child Running Wild Um, I love the the feel of it I love the pushes in it um, from, from the strings um, for me, it does all the things that I want. Um, an, an early '70s kind of soul concept song to do. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like all those things I mentioned—the the horn parts, the guitars, the the percussion, the vocals, um, everything. It's just it to me. It, it does it, it does it all for me, and and sets up the album and the oh, sound. Such very a good place setter, isn't it? We've talked a number of times about yeah. you know how albums start and begin, and this one does so well. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah, that'd be mine. Okay. Um. Well, I think this feels a little odd because I'm guessing if someone checks out this album, they'll probably at least listen to the first two tracks. But I think the second track will be my choice. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm gonna add the second track, Pusher Man. Um, they they roll into each other really nicely, and uh, um. I don't know. Just there's, there's something about the uh, the attitude of the um, drumstick on the edge of the snare drum. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's there's some kind of a a drum hit early on. It's like I, I don't know if it's congas or something that has a, a stretchable um, skin on it. The, there's yeah. like tonal differences there as it as it begins. Kind of an interesting. Um, choice there but it's really got a swagger and an attitude uh, uh, and maybe the uh, the most overtly uh, celebratory song on the album I think that uh, that paragraph you read talked about Curtis Mayfield you know is a little bit more nuanced about the street life Pusher Man is just like <laughs> this is this is the guy getting your drugs for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And some of his other tracks get a little bit more into the nuances. Um, right. But this one just fits the what I'm assuming is the swagger of the film. Um, and uh, oh, I see now too that it's the most played song on Spotify. So maybe this is the song most people know the album for. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll pick that one. Well, in the tight, I mean. It's- obviously on the nose a little in your face yeah. mm-hmm. um, I saw it and immediately I thought wait is that like Pusher Man by Steppenwolf 
that's a totally, oh, yeah. totally different song. <laughs> that instrument you talked about at the beginning with the stretchable skin. Yeah. It, re- it reminded me right away of, uh, of as many different names, which could be called a talking drum. Oh, uh, yeah. And something that we haven't talked about a whole lot, you, you and your family spent a portion of a year when you were younger in, in Ghana. Right. And one of my favorite things, uh, visiting your place after you came back, you brought back a talking drum. Oh, yeah. And it was, I had never <laughs> seen, I mean, I was, what, 10? Right. Um, I had never seen anything like it. And, of course, we were trying to, you know, it was fairly authentic, so we weren't allowed to just kind of play around with it, but we, we were allowed to use it appropriately if we wanted to, and it was just fascinating. As soon as I heard it, I thought, it sounds like, sounds like Ben's talking drum. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like that. I I think um, if you dismiss this album as, uh, I guess if you, <laughs> this is maybe the point where I get a little preachy and, and this is a danger zone, but I, I would say, listeners, if you look at Superfly the film and say uh, black exploitation, uh, you know this is this is glorifying street crime in a way that I'm not comfortable with Mm. and you dismiss the whole project because of that I would say you've lost something here because what Curtis Mayfield has done is created something both interesting and really wonderful to listen to and fun and lighthearted but also deep and layered and nuanced Um, uh, and has a little bit more tongue-in-cheek critique of some of the things that the film is glorifying. So right. um, I think it's really interesting to hold up something that, you know, the people involved with the film can say, it was so great to see our, our, our culture, our, our, the nitty gritty of our neighborhood and context on the big screen. And also to have sort of a calculated insider's critique from a strong black man as well. Um, I, I really do wish we had, watch this because I think holding the yeah. two in contrast would be really interesting as well and probably would add some, some layers and I the guest that I had shoulder tapped uh, was someone who would have been young and alive and well when this film came out probably uh, folks who have that to bring to the table would have a different way of understanding like I, I guess I'm even thinking of the way Glenn talked about the first time he saw Prince's purple motorcycle right when he pulled into the screen on, on uh, Purple Rain just thinking like wow anything is possible right <laughs> um, I'm guessing that there's something in this film too that even if it's showcasing something a little nitty gritty the black exploitation genre made people in power sit up and realize there was an audience that was hungry to see themselves portrayed and not only right. that but that white people went and checked it out because they were curious about what life was like in black communities as well. Um, so all of that to say, like, yeah, think what you will about the film, but don't dismiss this album simply because of whatever result you wind up with in, in, in the film. Yeah. I would agree with that and, and add to it. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about 
how Curtis Mayfield takes a bit of a bit of a more uh, not aggressive, but but uh, I guess intentional stance, kind of mm-hmm. against some of the themes of the film. I think one of the last tracks. I think the last uh, track with a lyric on the album, "No Thing on Me," cocaine song. He really, and I remember listening to this and repeated again. You know, I my life's a natural high. Mm. Yeah. The man, the man can't put no thing on me. They talk about like the whole, like the taglines of the movie is like, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna put one over on the man. Like he's gonna stick mm-hmm. it to the man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, are are they? And again, I feel, I feel now very embarrassed that I haven't watched a film. But, but Ben, are they like when they say the man? Are they? Are they doing the insinuation of the, the the government's involvement in in the distribution of drugs in black communities? Yeah, probably that. Probably also the sort of the wealth that tends to be exclusive to white men, um, right? And probably the the policing of the communities often by a uh, higher percentage of white officers you know so like the power imbalance uh, I think is what is generally being referred to when you want to stick it to the man uh, yeah I, I couldn't kind of, like, holding their boot above you <laughs> right I, you. as I was listening to the music and listening to the lyrics I couldn't I was having a hard time distinguishing between the man is the man the like the, the dealers or is the man like a you know, kind of the whole uh, idea or, or kind of force above the dealers. Um, yeah, I think it's probably both. It's and, a little bit of and both. And why yeah. Curtis Mayfield's take is a bit more nuanced than the film, which I think would hold the 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 lead character, the the pusher, essentially, up as the the, the powerful figure. Right. And now, now I, I shouldn't go that far. Uh, there was awareness in the documentary that while he was glorified in the film and you may watch the film and want to drive his car or want to dress like him or want to be like him. Right. There was also this sense that he was trapped in a world and trying to escape from mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so even in the, uh, the black exploitation uh, work being done, I think there's some nuances to that as well. But Curtis Mayfield, I think then allows the listener to, to then go even a step further than that um, with his music here. And, and if I could make an assumption... Oh, those uh, are the best. Huh? Uh, <laughs> well, that, you know, they don't... Well, I like the idea that they don't um, try and darken the wealth and the fame and, and the pleasure that he gets yeah. from his from his status, from the wealth that he's acquired. Like, he's got great cars, great clothes. And I don't even think they, from the little bit that I've seen, I don't even think they portray him as necessarily unhappy. Yep. Yet there's still something that, that he, he, need, he wants to leave. Um, and I think that the... I like that, that it's, you know, there's other things portrayed, like, well, you do all these things, but, but really, you know, it's awful. Like, but they don't yeah. really do that in the same way, because that was one of the enticements of it, right? Yeah. That right. you could 
you could get to that place of wealth, of affluence, of, of all these things that were desirable, that are desirable in many ways. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that, um, although it is somewhat controversial that it's like, yeah, the, no, that's real. Like, you can get that. And then, and there are consequences. Yeah. And you yeah. may find yourself, like, wanting to leave and, and there's going to be some conflict there. And you may find yourself... <laughs> <laughs> Driving a large automobile. <laughs> um, yeah. Good reference. Yeah. Totally different genre. That's got to be on this list too, right? <laughs> We've already done it. <laughs> Was that oh, a joke? Yeah. You were, were you, oh, you were joking. Oh, no. I thought you were being ironic. <laughs> <laughs> same, as it, same as it ever was. Oh, no. boy. <laughs> oh dear, that one that one clearly really solidified <laughs> itself in me. <laughs> What's the name of the band, Ben? Talking Heads, Tarkin Heads, <laughs> Tarkin Heads, Tarkin Heads. Uh, uh. I'd be interested in spending a bit of time on what has aged well in this, <laughs> partially because I, this is our yeah. first um, funk album that you might even say has some early disco y kinds of sounds yeah, in it yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, neither of those things are prominently featured in today's pop music, although pop music is so vast and you know, Wait, they're definitely artists, you artists didn't say, borrowing from those. You didn't say things. disco. Did you say disco is not prominently featured in today's music? I mean, there, there are certainly artists who do, uh, but it's not, that's not the thing that's... Okay, that yeah, okay. Well, yes, it's not, it's not disco music. I mean, listen right, to right. Dua Lipa or listen to yeah. you know, a lot of other stuff. It's, there's certainly... There's certainly elements. There's yep. certainly elements. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, I would... May I go first? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think the instrumentation... I would say... See, age well is interesting because things come <laughs> in, and, in and out of style, right? Yeah. So I'd say for right now, the moment we're in, in, you know, 20 you know halfway through 2022 i think a lot of this instrumentation is still well used you know think of an act in the last year of um silk sonic bruno mars and anderson pack you know that whole album is just full of the, these 70s soul sounds the percussion the 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 horns I, well they don't have a ton of horns but but a lot of the other sounds mm-hmm. uh, a very smooth soulful funky sound Bruno Mars has created that many times in his career and there's a lot so I think there's still um, there's certainly a place for it I think some of the verbiage some of the slang maybe has not aged well oh yeah it just isn't used as much anymore. Um, he's he's so super fly you know like stuff like that is kind of probably not used as much anymore i think the the themes are still very relevant mm-hmm. um you know drug use um exploitation um being ostracized or, or, or you know communities being marginalized marginalized communities yeah um yeah. You know, still a big, you know, getting trapped in a system. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I think a lot of it has, has aged very well. It, it's wonderful music. It's wonderfully composed. Like, it really, it, you know, we, we think about 
you know, songs like a pop song or, or a simple, you know, you know, rock song. I, I think it is, you know, songwriting, right? You wrote a song. I wrote yep. a song. I wrote some chords. I wrote some lyrics. Uh, we put some drums and, and a bass line to it. I wrote a song. Yeah. But then to me, there's compositions. Yeah. Where you like, you, you, there, you had to score it and, and there was multiple instruments and layers and, and production. Like these are all clearly composition so it's just composed very very well um i love the the orchestrated sound of some of these early you know we talked about shaft um what's going on you know it's it's very or you know there's strings there's horns there's a lot going on it's it's quite large and i don't think that has disappeared either i think you know right. if if maybe in the in the 90s it wasn't so hot uh, to have some kind of big orchestrated sound, it certainly is 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 back now, um, mm-hmm. and is accepted. So, sorry for rambling so long on that, but I think oh. other other than some of some of the some of the slang and some of the lyrics, I think it's actually aged quite well. Well, that, I, that's why I wanted to spend a bit of time on this question because I think you're right. You're spot on there. Like, um, even if no one's trying to create disco music or or. Uh, or funk isn't like the only thing on the charts. Both of those uh, in, uh, genres are present in a lot of different kinds of music, and not just the sort of um, R&B side of the pop charts, like Bruno Mars that you mentioned. Uh, even even like Beyonce, from time to time, draws in horns and, and funk in with her soul, her flavor of soul. Um, but I'm thinking about like the way that it's been adopted. By bands like Lake Street Dive, mm. um, oh, so good. Who really do have a lot of funky, brassy influences. Um, uh, drawing on that 60s, 70s, and 80s soul funk uh, mm-hmm. to make their sort of modern um, uh, interpretation. Uh, so yeah, it's an it's an interesting. It's an interesting kind of thing because you can listen to it and immediately say, "Oh yeah, soundtrack from the '70s," and also like, "Ooh, I can I can see why this is still fueling people." <laughs> I can yeah. see. I would imagine that uh, you know this is in rotation for <laughs> for some of the artists that we're listening to today. Uh, and when bands go and and get a little bit funky, I'm sure they've got this in mind or something like this, something from this sort of era or field or or space have we talked about scary pockets at all on the podcast yet i don't know i don't know if i brought it up so this is a a, i mean i watch it mostly on youtube it's it's a group kind of a revolving door of musicians there's a few there's a few kind of who are there Uh, ryan lerman who's a guitarist uh, I think was musical director for John Legend for a while, and oh, Jack, John Jack. Legend is another one who definitely is soulful and oh yeah, oh absolutely, in this area, yeah. And and Jack Conti, who's uh, one half of the the Pomplamoose duo, who you made oh quite yeah, um, popular on YouTube for popular. Well, most, <laughs> mostly covers, but also some originals. But yeah. um, Scary Pockets does all funk covers. Of popular oh, okay. songs, uh, we I might have brought them up when we did our re our re review of Fleetwood Max uh, Fleetwood Max Rumors because uh, I think the first time I heard them was about 
just over two years ago, they released a version of a funk version of Dreams by Fleetwood Mac, which is like amazing. <laughs> but they've done, you know, hundreds of songs now, um, funk versions. And I think that sound is, yeah, it might not be, you know, just funk songs being released on top 40, but there are tons of funk elements yeah. uh, in today's music for sure, 100%. Uh, yeah, Lizzo, another another really popular actress, dropped a, a huge, another huge song um, oh, in the man. last in the last couple months. And, this is going to send me down a rabbit that. trail, Mike. That is uh, probably not healthy. <laughs> did you just Did you just look it up? I looked at their YouTube channel. <laughs> oh. Really, uh, oh man, really intriguing YouTube uh, oh, titles on their songs. <laughs> oh, some 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 of their. Um, even just some of the songs, you know, doing like Black Hole Sun as a funk cover. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. just, just some, and, and the, the special guests they get, you know, probably, you know, small local or session musicians who are just absolutely phenomenal, different vocalists and, and other instrumentalists who are incredibly talented, who you would never have heard of before. Right. Um, right. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> That's just Good an tangent. example of, uh, yeah, <laughs> you better stop for now. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, if you have a little bit of time to go down that rabbit trail, it, it's a blast. Like they do tons of great music, a lot of fun. Um, but I think we can say that, that, you know, this, this has actually aged quite well, but I think, I think for right now, because I think if we'd gone back into, you know, the nineties, I don't think people were really excited for this kind of music as much. Uh, yeah. We were into, you know, we were into grunge and we were into hip hop, uh, even though hip hop did have some of these elements. We were into, you know, dance and electronica um, and and even, you know, some of the neo-punk of the late 90s, pop punk, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and, and other pop music really didn't have many of these elements at all. I think it's yep. we've gone th into another phase where this has come back. So. So maybe 20 years ago, well, obviously we would be answered this question a lot differently, but um, yeah, for now, yeah, definitely relevant and uh, and is is aging well. What about the position here on the list? Um, number huh. 76. Well, we're, we're approaching 100. Yeah. Um, yeah, challenged by this question, I think... It wasn't a super successful album, you know, in the long run. It, it it charted well, but then kind of didn't, you know, it's only certified half a million, mm -hmm. which isn't nothing, but compared to some of the other albums, isn't, isn't a ton. Uh, and it's not one that, I don't know, I, I feel like you, you hear a lot. You hear, mm -hmm. you know, different tracks on the radio or on a playlist. This is definitely an extremely influential album. Yes. And, and we've seen that. And, and it really, it was part of those, some of those albums we talked about that really shaped that sound entering into the seventies, that funk soul sound definitely coming out of, you know, that, that black urban culture. And I think you're right. It, it directs us towards, you know, that massive craze of disco as we continue into the seventies. I think this is heading in that direction for sure. Mm -hmm. It's not there yet, but I mean, that, that was one of the biggest, I mean, it was snuffed out, very quickly and violently, but it yeah. was um, it was extremely popular. And I think this is this is a precursor to that for sure. So again, I think it's another album that is here more for its influence than necessarily its success. 
However, it's it's very good. We've listened to some where we kind of go, well, that's was influential, but it's kind of obscure. <laughs> right, it's obscure, right. and I don't know how much I really want to listen to it again. Right. Even though it inspired people. Well, this isn't that. This is, oh, I would love right. to listen to this again. Right. It's a great feel. Um, easy to listen to, very smooth. Even, even although some of the themes are a little harder, it doesn't feel... Uh, that's one of the comments I read is that he he has such a gentle voice mm-hmm. uh, at the same time tackling these these fairly <laughs> poignant issues um, yes. kind of just yeah. washes over you. You almost you'll miss it if you don't listen to it too hard. So um, uh, I don't know. I I <laughs> think I would struggle to put it any higher if it was closer to 100 or even just, you know, between 100 and 125. I'd be OK with that, too. Um, but I understand why it's here. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Oh, excuse me. Excuse me on. What do you think about the ranking? I, I agree with that. Um, unsurprisingly, I think you, you're a very wise person and, uh, I should oh, be geez. agreeing with it. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Stop uh, but, it. uh, <laughs> say it again. I, Stop it. <laughs> I think there's something about this that, um, similar to what's going on really intrigues me because of what it's talking about having to do with culture and culture that we're still struggling with, at least in the United States and, and often in Canada. Right. Uh, about, about race and wealth and um, what people feel like they have to do to escape certain situations. And it's so well crafted. Too. So like, I, I don't know, there's something really genius about this entire project that makes me want to hold it up as greater than some of the other things that we've listened to so far. Right. It doesn't, you're right. It doesn't hold the, I think most people would know of the film Superfly and a lot of people, especially music fans would probably understand that Curtis Mayfield was connected to the film, may even know the song Superfly. Right. But it's not like what's going on in that uh, there's probably a few tracks that they could immediately <laughs> hum. Um, yeah. So, so that that's maybe the one thing preventing me from saying this really should be above fifty or something like that. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting uh, that it's dropped slightly in a you know oh. not very much. Sixty nine was the original list and um seventy two in the twenty twelve list and now it's at seventy six. So it's not, you know, it's stayed around the same spot. Um but but didn't get the diversity bump <laughs> uh as the uh people being polled were becoming more aware of the of uh, the quality of mm. of um black artists. Um we haven't seen it rise in the way some other um albums have here right um, and i'd be curious to know what what that is maybe it is just the popularity element um i really like it and i i think it deserves to be listened to and definitely deserving of being in the top 100 um, it's gonna make me think a little bit i think about whether whether i want to include it in my own personal top 10 i i just really am intrigued by it i feel like there's more here that i need to dig into and um so, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and and one comment on that is that some of the other albums you mentioned, diversity albums, uh, that yeah. 
you know, which is that, terrible. Like we shouldn't even yeah, have to say I that. I know, but, but you know, let's, that, that is, that is it. And yeah. a lot of them that bumped up and some of them were a little more recent. So just needed mm-hmm. more time to get a little more, yeah. um, you know, just influence and experience and people growing up and, and being influenced by it. Yeah. But, um, a lot of those albums, you know, were way down, like in the, you know, hundreds, 200, 300s and came up, whereas this already was up fairly high. So it right. didn't have to True. bump it way up. So maybe that's True. part of it too. We always like to talk about the artists. Uh, sorry. We always like to talk about the other albums on the 500 list by this artist, if there are any. And there is one more, Curtis from 1970 which i believe is his debut uh at 275 so we will come back and there was another one uh the anthology curtis mayfield and the impressions uh the 1961 to 77 compilation which was at 178 on the previous list but is is no longer on this list so you know we got one more we got one more to listen to from curtis mayfield I think one more time, you got to make that uh, connect the dots from the last few albums here, Mike, for our listeners here um, who may have missed it on our last episode. We did talk about Curtis Mayfield on our last review. uh, And I did a bit of this kind of connect the dots because two albums ago was Kanye West, The College Dropout, 2003. And he has a song on that uh, album where he samples Aretha Franklin. And then the next album was Lady Soul by Aretha Franklin. And one of the songs she does, People Get Ready, is written by Curtis Mayfield. And then this uh, this album, the next one, is Curtis Mayfield. So that's our, our connection between each of these three albums from, I guess... Superfly and Lady Soul are pretty close together, but yeah, yeah. Kanye pretty far away. And then a few. I, your and homework I did, for next time is to come up with a connection between Curtis Mayfield and the Who. That would really blow people's minds if that's. Uh, <laughs> see if I can, see if I can do something there. Um, that's a bit of a, a jumping ahead moment. Uh, and next up on the list, number seventy-seven is a return of. Uh, who's next by the who so we'll be revisiting a review of that album it had uh it had come in at number 28 so we've had to wait a little bit of time here to get to a uh re-review yeah. of that one so yeah interesting to reflect Big on drop. that a little bit and um we'll get to talk about why i own two copies of that vinyl <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to find out yeah so uh so if you want to find out um We hope that you continue to be well. We hope that you take care of yourselves and those important to you. And we certainly hope that you'll join us next time right here on the SoundLogic Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.